BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and JC. Oh, big throat clearing right there to start. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers, by writers, who hate writing. Boy, we're excited for this show today. We got super agent Matt Rice going to talk to us today about the other side of the business, the side we know nothing about. Um, I'm a lot still... of pressure, a lot of pressure to appear stable, to appear <laughs> yeah. like someone you can work with. Yeah, yeah. To a lot not of say anything untoward about someone he may have a relationship with, to stay oh. within a very narrow line. It's a dance. It's a dance. He's got to be Barishnikov today. No, uh, us. Oh, us. Oh, us. Oh, who cares? No, Come he's on. way more powerful than us. He can let fly, but we, okay. I, can't, I can't appear to be someone who, you know, I, I don't want to be excommunicated. Yeah, all right. That's a good point. Based on a some wayward comment about some comic I think stinks. Carry on, carry on my wayward son. Um, I uh, we're still we're still cleaning up the uh, Malaysian airliner debris from my fiftieth birthday oh, party. Poor thing. Um, but uh, that was a, that was a fun show last week. Fun to talk about. Got a lot couple of good things. Feedback. Couple things. Yeah, I heard from a bunch of people uh, about that, which was really nice because people love it when I'm in distress and they want to reach out. <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, but uh, before uh, Goldie and I forget, JC, what a gift. You gave oh. to us. Oh, my goodness. Now, I, of course, I thought it was just for me for my 50th, but it turned out it was for Goldie, too. So that was a well, little less special. But <laughs> So Goldie and I, you delivered a package to Goldie. Goldie brought it into work, and we were instructed to open it together by you, which we did in my we office. We hated that part of it. Sorry. Yeah, that, that part was a little bit like, okay. It wasn't like I was forcing that part. Just... That sounded like forcing. Um, <laughs> Were you holding it, hands? It just felt a lot like when you're a kid and they're like, you boys go do yes. this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. I was so we opened hands. this package and inside you have made, and I, I don't know how you did this, maybe you can tell us, two albums Record albums. Record albums of the podcast with awesome album art of like pictures of us, you know, Goldie with Lloyd, you know, it was it was just so cool looking. I I have nothing to listen to it on out here, so I haven't heard it yet. But just tell us a little bit. uh, How did you come up with that idea? How did you get it made? 
Okay. Well, first of all, I, I had done for Goldie's 50th, you know, the snack, the podcast yeah. themed thing. So I wanted to do one for you. And then I, I know you like music. And so I know you love music. And mm-hmm. so I went on the website called Vanillify. Mm-hmm. And you can customize everything. I don't know how they get away with it, but it's in Europe. And once I went to the website, I realized you needed artwork. So I said, oh, God, I have no idea. And I just originally put the logo. And then I just got this idea to create a collage from all of the podcast-related things that we had, and including family. So I just just started going down the rabbit hole with it, and it got bigger and bigger. (laughs) And then I was like, I can't just make one of these. So this Mm. is for the three of us. I That's awesome. Like- what people can't see is for the last three minutes, I've been making the thankful prayer hands. <laughs> yes, he really he has. has. That's at, legit. At what I think is is a wonderful gift. Thank you. It's awesome. Oh, and so now, can sweet. you give us a little preview of like what's on the album itself? Yes. So one side has um, we built this Goldie. Oh, love that. We love built that. this. We have we built this Alec. Uh, yeah, um, we yeah. have on, on, on weed and something. I forget what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think Goldie knows. Yeah, um, I and... don't remember actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, oh, another side has all of our theme songs, starting from one that oh. didn't get cleared. Yes, the Barba Papas. Yes, oh. and then, um, and then there's a, a surprise at the end on the on B side. Hold, hold hold the surprise. We yeah. want to be surprised by. And uh, I think our guest today, we'll talk to him about it, but maybe it's Help Slip Frank. Help Slip Frank on the, on the B-side. He knows what I'm talking sweet. about. He's nodding. He's a deadhead. <laughs> um, anyway, so JC, thank you for that amazing gift. Um, something else I wanted to uh, mention because it, it was hilariously pointed out to me is, Goldie, you were very nice uh, talking about the, my, my 50th birthday party, and you gave your very funny, very sweet uh, toast on air, which people loved. And a couple of my my high school friends, who you also really got along with, reached out to me, and they were touched that you know you mentioned them and how nice they were, but they were also a little annoyed that they their names weren't mentioned. So I want to just say, look at Goldie shaking his head. I just want to say, my God, I call them I call them the TH boys. We got Tim Harmon and Tom Hudner are the two you're thinking of. Uh, and they're they're both very nice guys. Tom Hudner is, of course, the the guy whose dad was the uh, center central character in that uh, devotion oh. movie about the Korean War. Cool. Um, but Goldie, you got along very well with both of them. And now do they have middle names that we should mention? <laughs> now? Or... Uh, Tim Aloysius Harmon. <laughs> and to- I know Tom Hudner's middle name is Jerome. Nice. T J H Thomas Jerome Hudner the third. So there are three people with that middle name, which is woo. Right. Uh, but but Tim listens uh, every week, and, Hi, Tim. and Tom listens about as much as Matt Rice. So not that often. <laughs> oh. uh, also. Um, Another thing, Goldie, and I had mentioned this to you yesterday, of course, now that I'm 50, my back went out for no reason, just standing up, doing nothing. My back went out. And I remember you had talked to me a while ago about back pain and how you had read a book that basically uh, said that that back pain is, is all bullshit and kind of psychological. So I wanted you to, if you could remember any of the finer points of that, 
just to, to, to give me another uh, briefing on it, because I'm, I'm going through it now. And I, want, I totally want to believe you, and I do believe you, that it is psychological, but I want it to go oh, thank away. thank you. Um, so first we may need to bump Matt Rice because this is a topic that absorbs a lot of my attention and that I have a lot of strong opinions on, but I'll give you the briefest, and I'll give you the briefest possible summary of it, but know that I have struggled with this since I was 17 years old and had an attack of quote sciatica. Know that if I had a scan of my MRI, if I showed you my MRIs, my L5 disc is in the middle of my nerve column. And oh, I okay. work out with 53-pound kettlebells every day. Yes. So if back pain were true, if you could like displace these muscles and then you had a back pain, every Olympic gymnast would be dead. Like, mm-hmm. look at what they do versus yeah. what you do. So the MRIs, the conditions of your spine, have no correlation with the pain you feel. This is all Dr. John Sarno healing back pain. Read that and then come at me. Yeah. So I'm not coming at you. I'm 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 embracing you. What Sarno says, and I could go through your life and point Don't. this out, Don't. is that repressed emotions, particularly repressed rage and <laughs> oh, repressed no. anxiety. Oh boy. Your brain views these as the same level of danger it views a predator lurking for you in the woods. And so what sense. it does, it is so scared of you being aware of this or expressing them that it creates this pain as a distraction, so you become obsessed with that. And the pain does a very good job of distracting you. Yes. It is all-encompassing. And so to try to get out of it and to focus on these emotional things, it can be like, as my former therapist said, learning to surf in 10-foot waves because it's so hard to do anything when you're in pain. It's yeah. so hard to ignore pain. And I hope we can get Nicole Sachs on this podcast, who's like an expert in this, to talk about this because I think it's so... But anyway, in short... My advice to you would be, when we get off talking to Matt Rice, you sit down and you vomit journal every truthful thing you think you're trying to hide from yourself. And don't judge it. Just put it on a piece of paper. Shred the paper. Okay. Good. I'd have to shred it. And just (laughs) know that whatever thoughts and feelings you have that may seem huge, that may seem overwhelming, they are ultimately just thoughts and feelings. They are safe. You, Alex Sulkin are safe, your thoughts are safe, your feelings are safe, your brain is trying to protect you, say, thank you, brain, for giving me this pain to try to protect me, but I do not need it. I love that. I appreciate you trying to protect me, but I am not scared of my thoughts, I am not scared of my feelings, and know that when you go into this anger, last thing, know that when you bring up this anger, the rage itself probably isn't the danger. What it is, is there's at its core some very childish emotion which is probably humiliation you feel small and powerless oh god you're hitting so many bullseyes here i'm just when you were saying that i'm just and matt we'll get to you in a minute you're raising your hand which i appreciate (laughs) um but i'm just picturing goldie coming into the office and picking through the shredder and pulling out a little leaf that says that says gay for goldie question mark (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna argo the uh, the shredder pieces together and then and then first bust joke you. of the day first joke of the day <laughs> that should have been gay for Goldie you're asleep Sorry. at the goddamn switch all right Matt Rice you you raised your hand yes what do you have to say you're you're coming in early which I love I like it uh, the option was presented um, yes. Goldie fifty three pound kettlebells you must be oh. shredded what's going on with your body wow uh, 
What's going on is a, an upper torso with a surprising amount of strength rapidly devolving into an unexpected amount of body fat. Oh, boy. <laughs> Are you one of those I'm guys on, with uh, I'm working with, on. You have like a, a broad upper body and then like little stick legs? <laughs> I My legs are actually like, you my thighs are actually pretty good. Like okay. I've yeah. got some muscle on there, but the, now I need to, as Michelangelo did, I need to find within the mm. block the refined <laughs> Adonis that lurks inside. <laughs> Yoga. I, I like to say whenever somebody brings up Michelangelo that... I have the body of David. Well, just the penis. <laughs> <laughs> I gained four pounds when I went to Alex's party that he hated. Uh, so no, wait a I've minute. Trying to get that off, and I'm, I've just I've gotten serious. I see you're you matter drinking some green drink. I oh, assume no. you. I assume every meal is delivered by <laughs> by an assistant and lovingly presented to you in bento box style with a specific caloric yeah. intake <laughs> to <know>. maintain <laughs> your physique. Is this yeah, true? Look, no. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a healthy dude. Matt. I made I made yeah. myself a smoothie this morning so that I wouldn't be eating into the microphone. <laughs> yeah, see, but a smoothie, so that's already healthy. Yeah, their, um, their side of the business, everything is regulated. Everything no, last last down. night I had to go to a premiere of of a client's show, and it was at like six thirty or something. So I had no dinner. My dinner was a sad box of popcorn and some water and a couple of M and M's from the person sitting next to me. That was dinner. <laughs> oh, it's right. terrible. Very that hungry tracks. this morning. It's a Hollywood dinner. You're, you're <laughs> really in the. How many sliders do you eat in an average year at horrible premieres? <laughs> yeah. No, you never can eat the food at those things because then your breath is like a six foot radius. It's horror. You can't eat that food. Ah, see, I wouldn't. I would. I don't even think of that. I, I just know. go here. Here, I'm a gross writer. I'm going to breathe all over you. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You have to take it because you're an agent and pretend that it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the drill. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Goldie, I, you know what? I'm going to get that book because and and after. This I will try to write. Some Let's of that stuff we then. could literally just do an episode on this. And okay, I, Let's I would that. like to do it. Um, yeah. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this: central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis. Go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figures Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to four hundred thousand dollars. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to Figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right, yeah. that sounds good. Let's save that and let's roll right in to Johnny Jokes. Whoa, here comes some real pain from Hollywood here. Where's Johnny's? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, boy, I, I had a plan of how I was going to do this. All right, here we go. Uh, in recently revealed court testimony from the $1 billion lawsuit, Fox executives stated that their source for the dangerous voter fraud story was, quote, a man who traveled through time. <laughs> the shocking revelation has led to a new billion-dollar suit, Dominion v. McFly. <laughs> is that, is that? True. That is true. <laughs> you can God. read about that. Insane. Uh, and here, here's a nice little story. Uh, the first woman over 100 years old ran a 40 meter dash last week, uh -oh. and we'll have that time for you when she finishes. 
And here's another nice little story. Uh, former pop star Phil Collins celebrated his 72nd birthday last week with a fancy dinner party in London. Uh, gee, I wonder what Susu Sudi wore. I, I thought he was dead. Oh, no. <laughs> he is very much alive. Uh, two more. Okay, the new documentary, Leave No Trace, about the history of sexual abuse in the Boy Scouts is garnering Oscar buzz. Uh, and yes, the reviews have been great, but I think Variety went too far with Boy Nanza. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, lightning struck the top of the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio last week. Uh, fortunately, it was just as Marty McFly zoomed past in his DeLorean, enabling him to witness voting machine fraud in the 2020 oh. election. Oh, wow. A lot of words. Johnny, too. <laughs> okay, these are, Great review. These are six stiff jabs. These are all kind of quick ones. <clears throat> Do it. The Department of Energy now says COVID-19 was most likely created in a lab. All right, it's bat soup tonight. <laughs> that's, that's a Johnny Johnny. Right, right. Yeah, very, very Johnny. Johnny, Johnny. Uh, meanwhile, the Lancet Medical Journal reported the immunity from catching COVID-19 is at least as good as two vaccines. In fact, no one who died from COVID ever caught it again. <laughs> All right. Over the weekend, it actually snowed in the hills of Burbank. It was so cold. How, how cold, cold was, was it? it? It was so cold, the cocaine bear went into hibernation. <laughs> Excellent. Topical of the, the moment. The storm snarled traffic on the 405 so badly, it was actually slightly faster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and some sad news. Madonna's older brother died this week. He gone! Of surprise, when he saw her face. Oh. <laughs> and finally, and finally... <clears throat> A constantly masturbating walrus <laughs> has refused to leave a town dock in Reykjavik, Iceland. Why does the walrus masturbate so much? He's married. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I could say Excellent. Bjork. You, you know, you can win a fight with a stiff jab. Like you just, you just showed These were all like one rhythm. Those were one, hilarious. There was that was nothing, great. They were all the same. Rat-a-tat, the speed bag today. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. Uh, not as much as I love our guest today. Uh, he's popped Yay. his head up already a couple of times. Some might say unnecessarily, but I don't say that. <laughs> Some might say that. Um, we're very excited to have him. Uh, reading about him online, he's definitely on the board at UTA. Uh, I got that much. That was pretty much the only article that was out there. It was like the top 12 articles. So full He might be someone who's just he, like smartly... Doesn't let information about himself get out. Yeah, he's mm. scrubbed. The internet is scrubbed. Um, full disclosure, he is my agent, and I'm mm. lucky enough to say that because some of his clients are absolutely the best writers in Hollywood. So, And, and now is a, a perfect time for me to chime in. Won't touch me with oven mitts. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave, that is an, a warm way to welcome our guest today. I don't know what is... Matt Rice, welcome to the welcome, podcast. Matt. Thanks for having me. It's oh, nice to we're be here. We're excited. The boyish, the boyish yeah. Matt Rice. <laughs> God. 
So, um, Matt, let's just get right into it. I just learned, uh, because, again, the Internet has zero information, that you grew up in Fullerton in Orange County. Uh, was that as boring as I think it is, or was it fun? Uh, it was just suburban. It was it was felt very normal. Um, I, I don't go back there much because there's no reason to anymore, but it was it was great ish. Yeah. You know, great ish. <laughs> hey, know. that's the that's the new show. Great ish. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you grew up in Fullerton and now were you so you're close to Hollywood. Did you growing up have dreams of like, I'm going to go to L.A. and work there or how did that all come about for you? No, um, my dad was a doctor. My mom sold clothes at Nordstrom's um, in nice. the Brea Mall for those comedy fans that go to the Brea Improv. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she. Uh, so it was kind of just normal stuff. I had a younger sister. I watched a ton of TV. The big uh, break that I attributed in my world of comedy was, um, you know, my dad loved Letterman and would VHS tape it at night because it was too late for him. He'd wake up super early to go running every day, like like when it was dark out. I just remember right. that. And so Letterman would be recorded and we'd find our way to watch all of them every week at some point, either on a day-to-day basis or like by the end of the week. And you know, I was, yeah. I guess I was, I mean, when did Letterman start? 82 or 83 82, maybe? 82, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I was 11, I was 12 and I, I used to sneak when I was little, little, I remember my parents had like, you know, they'd have people over like a, whatever that was, a party or a whatever key they party. were doing. Key party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird people walking past my bedroom. And, um, but I would be upstairs in the, like this little playroom and I would try to like get, get out of bed, stay up and watch SNL. But it was only because my palate was just for Mr. Bill at that time. I didn't understand <laughs> anything more than that. Um, yeah, so, so that was it. I had no dreams of Hollywood. I didn't know that there were jobs in Hollywood. It never occurred to me. Right. Okay. All right. That's very interesting. Well, I mean, who, who can resist the Tim Kazarinsky era of SNL? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's so cool that you and your dad watched Letterman together for props. Shout out to your dad who, for, for loving Letterman as a dad. That's a a very cool thing. Malpractice Um, Marv. There he is. Marv Albert? No, Malpractice Marv Rice. That's my dad. Oh, oh. practice more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he misdiagnosed. He was a radiologist, and the one time he had to diagnose me with anything, I was positive I had a broken finger. He refused to x-ray it. I kept playing tennis for the next two weeks with electricity going up from my finger oh, no. to my neck. Oh. And he finally x-rayed it. It was fractured in two places. Oh, oh. my goodness. That sounds psychological to me. <laughs> read the book. Read I got to read the Sarno book. <laughs> yeah. um, but so, okay. So you grow up in Fullerton. And then, as you're very loud and proud about, you went to UCLA. That's right. So it was that, were you looking at, out-of-state schools, or was UCLA kind of always your dream school? How did, how did that happen? Um, it's a good question. I did look at some out-of-state schools, but I also, I, I had no clue. Like, I never thought about going to Michigan or something, because it just good didn't school. occur to me. So it was like, the only out-of-state schools I applied to, if I have it correct, is like, I remember we visited Princeton. We went on some East Coast swing, and I had very good grades and medium SATs. Um, and I applied to Princeton. I remember applying to Harvard. I can imagine how terrible those applications were. Um, (laughs) and I applied to the, you basically on the UCs, uh, you basically write one essay and then you click the box of each school that you want to apply to. 
And the school that I thought I was going to go to was Santa Barbara. Yeah. Um, I was accepted. I was, I was a fairly good tennis player. I was like ranked in Southern California and I was, um, up there doing, uh, like kind of informally trying out because uh, a guy on my tennis team from high school was 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 on the team there, and so I'd go up there and stay in the floor of his fraternity house and play tennis all day and do terrible things, um, right. you know, like yeah. with beer and drugs at night with them, <laughs> and um, and we had a great time. And I thought this is great. I want to go here. I also had hair to the middle of my back, like you know, I was an idiot. Awesome, awesome. So I'm, didn't we all? You know, didn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and anyway, and then I got, I got into UCLA slightly delayed for some reason, and they didn't recruit me for tennis because I'm not good enough. It was a recruited walk-on, which means you can try out, which means nothing. Right. And, but maybe that helped me get in because UCLA is, I think, uh, maybe a slightly tougher school to get into even back then. Now it's impossible. And, uh, my dad, look at my dad's face when he saw that I got in was kind of remarkable. And, and it just occurred to me that maybe that's what I should do. I'd never visited. I never went. I just said, I'm going to go to UCLA. Oh, well, that's... when I met you, like, I assume you had We met at the beginning by... of Family Guy, right? Like, didn't we meet at the very no, beginning? we met when I was on the Late Late Show in 2002. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you once very hilarious. I remember you had Clippers season tickets. Yeah. And uh, I went to a Clippers-Celtics game. Where Jalen Brunson's dad, Rick Brunson, was on the Clippers. I don't know if you remember this. It was a game that went into maybe double overtime. And the Clippers were so bad that one guy got so frustrated, he fell over the railing uh, where I was sitting and dropped maybe eight feet down after Brunson Whoa. missed a shot. And so it, it was an agonizing, heartbreaking loss for the Clippers. And I was sitting several rows up from you. You had much better seats. So as you were exiting the game, I, I sort of said something about, ah, you guys lost, and you <laughs> turn to me. You go, "Fuck you!" And you walked out. <laughs> so I do remember. I do remember that I knew you at that point. But what I wanted to, <laughs> to ask, there is a question in there, is that you between what you've described in in high school, college, and when I by the time I met you, you already seemed to have like embraced this LA thing and be doing it really well. Like you had, you know, basketball tickets good seats. You were into this agent thing. Like you, you were well known. And someone told me, a, a, like a younger agent told me a story about you that, that I was out with them at a restaurant and they said, um, and I said, Oh, it's cool. You kind of know the major D you seem to know everyone here. And they said, well, Matt Rice told me to cultivate a restaurant that I have to have a place <laughs> where I'm known. So can you talk about like the transformation that took place between the tennis playing druggy idiot on the floor at UCSB <laughs> and the guy who was like suddenly on the make in LA. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, that story, if you want, how, where that, that's a real story that I don't know who that young agent is, um, but basically I was a young agent. Um, and I, if you want, I mean, the timeline might be so boring, but before I was at UTA, right prior to that, which is where I met you guys. Well, at least I met Alec then. I was at Broder, which was a really good small boutique agency. And I had lunch one day with this manager, Howard West, who famously was Jerry Seinfeld's manager, it was Shapiro and West. Yeah. And he was a, you know, an older he I he's was a great guy, older, crotchety, Jewish man, hilarious, New York. And Broder was on Maple Drive in Brent at Brentwood, in Beverly Hills. Right under, right above Mercedes of Beverly Hills, you would walk on Maple Drive. There was a restaurant there called Maple Drive that was like the place. Everybody would go there for lunch every day. It was there or the Old Palm on Santa Monica. So Howard's like, we should go to lunch. I go, great. I'll handle a reservation. And we go to Maple Drive and we get there. And 
no, t- like the table, they're like, oh, we're full. Like you, your reservation is going to be like 20, 30. You're just waiting basically. Yeah. And this kid, so I sit at this table and Howard West gives me a lecture for the first 40 minutes of the lunch of, kid, you have to have a place. You have to have a place where you get a, a table every time, no matter what. You walk in, there can be 500 people waiting. They give you the table. And from that moment on, I was deadly. I was just deathly embarrassed by the whole thing. My place became the Palm, that old Palm on Santa Monica. Great cool. place, great choice. Yeah, because you could go there for lunch, you go there for dinner, you could wear a t-shirt and jeans, you could wear a suit, and you could always get in if you. So I just started working that. And whoever that young agent is, good memory. I like. How that. did you do that though? Like for you, for someone yeah. like me, where it's I mean I don't go out enough to cultivate a place. But say you wanted to cultivate a place, is it tipping the maitre d? Is it just frequency of reservation or known generosity with the staff? Walk us through a little bit. I think I well first of all you can certainly cut the lines so to say if you if you you know tip the maitre d from the beginning. In some places yeah. you always have to tip the maitre d. Like Dan Tana's, I would say always tip them. Otherwise you will wait um, yep. even yep. with the reservation. And what are we but talking about? Like, 50, 100, 20, I 50. mean, 20, I, like, I would say 20, but I'm stupid. No, no, 20, I think 20 is fine. I think 50 is, like, they, they, they'll get a sparkle in their eye. Yeah, you're okay. serious with 50. Yeah, okay. um, right, exactly. We want that sparkle. Yeah, you <laughs> want that. If we can afford it, we want it. Yeah, but basically, you just need to go there a lot and be a regular yeah. and show and that you, you, know, you care. And, and also, there'll be different people. There's not always one maitre d'. So talk to everybody. Remember their name. Be nice to the waiters. Always tip good. Always tip well, and sometimes tip excessively well. If maybe you had too much to drink or something, you know, you can do it that way. Walk us through the yeah. mechanics of the tip. Like you, <laughs> oh have, you have the bill folded in your palm, yeah. and then you shake, and then you go for a handshake with a knowing, and they know because they've received money this way before. Yeah, I think if, especially if you, Goldie, were walking in and you were not so familiar with this maitre d. You'd walk in and um, you'd go in and say, hi, I'm Goldie. I'm here for my 730 <laughs> reservation. Um, what's your name? If they don't put out their hand, right? Because of COVID yeah. and other reasons. Mm. And maybe they'll put out their hand and then you you have a nice folded square of a, of a whatever I bill you decided. I can see the imprint on yours. It's been used. So <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, then just, and then just go right in there. They'll know exactly what's going on yeah. and they'll yeah. claw okay. that now, back out of the palm of your hand. Do you look straight in the eye when you're doing it? Is, yes. Like, yes, 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 yes. Do you and do this at, at, hotel, at hotel check-ins? <laughs> no. But although, although I think I'm unwise not to, I think sometimes if you catch the right person, I've been told some people would do it. I mean, and you think about it, if you're going to stay somewhere for two days, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, that's no invest. That's nothing. You should invest yeah. that. Why not? You know? Yeah, yeah. I've done it successfully at one place. Yeah. Uh, I've never, nice. I just don't, I keep, I just never do it. I should. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, but you know, Alec, to your question before, I think your question was like, or Goldie, you asked, like, how did this start? So I was at UCLA. The first thing I did was grab an intern. I, I grabbed the, off the job board. And mind you, I went to UCLA starting in like 1989. And by the time I graduated, I still didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a laptop. It was a weird, you know, it was like not electronic. And so there was a job board at UCLA. I pulled a card off the job board and it was for MTV for an internship. And there were, there was two shows that MTV made in LA back then. One was the big picture with Chris Connolly. And the second was totally Pauly. And um, this internship was for the big picture and they worked out of Burbank. And so basically I was just working there. I was just getting people coffee. I did nothing. I was there to fetch and get. And, and basically they were all from New York 
the producer of it was this woman who was like allegedly best friends with Madonna. She was like British and she was really rough. And I had no knowledge of Hollywood whatsoever. The one giant positive from that internship was that they were all New Yorkers and Howard Stern was now on KLSX 97.1. They listened to Howard Stern every day. And that's when I started listening to Howard Stern, who became a major, major, uh, you know, uh, comedic influence and, and just, I don't know, just everything influence. I, I listened every day as much as I could. That's cool. amazing. And speaking of major influences and listening uh, every day, uh, when did you start getting into the dead? Because I know you're, you're a big deadhead. Uh, when did that start for you? Was that high school? Was that college? I wish it was high school. I missed so many shows at Irvine Meadows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead, I was going to like, you know, I did, well, I saw some good shows, but I was like yeah. at Iron Maiden concerts, you know, right. um, <laughs> the hair tracks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Metallica. That was, you know, I, I was in Fullerton. Fullerton was not big, big on the dead. It was yeah. heavy metal time and punk. But, um, yeah, I start the dead happened. Um, I had a friend that we lost touch during high school. We had gone to summer camp together and I am my first day at UCLA. I'm in the dorms and I walk down the hall. It's all communal bathrooms and stuff. You know, I, I walk down the hall, two doors past my dorm. I hear loud music. I just look in. You're kind of looking at everybody. It's your first yeah. days there. And I see my friend, this dude, Matt. His nickname was Beaker because back during camp, he had orange, he had red hair, and he looked like Beaker from The Muppet Show. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, he was wearing a tie-dye. He had long hair. He had gained a little bit of weight and uh, since I knew him. And anyway, he was a huge deadhead. And- Long story short, the first – they were playing The Forum. Great shows, by the way, if you're a guy that goes back and listens to old shows. December 8, 9, 10 at The Forum in L.A. Wait. And he pushed me to try it. And just, you know, the fir- my first show, December 8th. And that's an incredible show. I'll Amazing. send it to you. Amazing. Nice. John, John Lennon's death anniversary. Great time oh. to go to a show. Great time I was, to celebrate. I couldn't have been... What? I love the Beatles, but I was not aware of that, so I just was purely celebratory. <laughs> and, was, and was he dead yet? Yeah, he was dead, right? Yeah, yeah he always dead for a decade. Um, but so I guess this answers that question. You, you, so you have seen Jerry many times. Yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of Jerry. I probably saw Jerry... I, I, it's hard to remember everything, you know, mm-hmm. including Jerry Garcia band and whatnot, but I probably saw them like around 60 ish times. Sorry about that. So are you a guy who like twirls in a circle during the show? Or no, what, no, what, no. What's your, what's I, your I vibe? Twirls uh, in a circle. Well, it, it, first of all, it depends on what is inebriating you. There's lots yeah. of different ways to go to a show. And yes. um, like, to be honest, most of the time I'm pretty controlled. I'm never freaking all. I don't want it, I don't want people touching me and I kind of yeah. keep to my own space and I, well, I, now that everyone's elderly, particularly. You know, uh, so Matt, I grew up in Mill Valley where Jerry Garcia is from and he's yeah. very famously lived up in the hills up there. And because I lived in Mill Valley, I kind of refused to listen to the dead. <laughs> So I, what is it about the dead that's even interesting <laughs> that, that catches wow. you? Yeah, I, I just, I would love to know from Oh, they're a great. Huge I fan. love them. I love them too. Yeah, well, Alec loves them, but he refuses to acknowledge any version of the dead that doesn't include Jerry, which I understand and respect. Yeah. Um, JC, the thing about the dead for me is that if you listen to like Skeletons from the Closet, the greatest hits album that every person in America has probably heard a track off of. That doesn't do it. You need to see them live. By the way, I barely knew them, but we went to go see the live show and I knew it 
it was like immediately, and I wanted to see a, as much as I could. From that moment, it just whenever I could, I needed to see them. And you you get it or you don't, right? And and I think some people never get it, but and I think it's some of it's about how your brain and your 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 level for um, improv. You know, it's a lot of improv. It's really mm-hmm. to, to to quote them. It's really jazz. And so what's really exciting is they can play. Alec referred one of the greatest trio of songs they play. Help on the way, Slipknot, Franklin's Tower. Mm-hmm. They all go in a row. But the thing is, is that you can go see that 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 song, those songs in concert, and they will be slightly different. They'll have slightly different energy. They could be harder. They could be, you know, they could go off into some more quiet solos. And I know this sounds real boring and no, really, I love un- it. but no, but like there's literally, I my my best friend, he and I will we have spent entire weekends just picking like old songs and saying this is my favorite version of morning oh. dew and this is the best version of of this one of all time and it sounds like a giant waste of time but for some reason it matters yeah you so can tell you love I, it i watched it was a four or six part documentary on amazon about the grateful yes. dead yeah and um at one point i think it was bob weir i don't remember but one of the band members said like there was a point where we just started getting musical ideas from the audience because we were in such the same headspace. Have you ever telepathically sent them a musical <laughs> idea you that was then have. reflected on stage? No. I wish. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at guess. I'm pretty good at guessing what they're going to play every now and then. Like I can like hear it when they're tuning up. I, I can hear a, like a note or something. And, yes. and every now and then I'll hear a note and it will, it'll be super early and, uh, it was funny because we were at Dead and Company. Sorry, Alec, but um, in <laughs> twenty one, I think, mm. yeah, twenty one on Halloween night. On actually on Halloween night, and we were there, and it was an excellent, excellent show for that okay. band, Alec. And um, anyway, there was some song came up, and like they were about to play, and I heard one note, and I and I said it, and I kind of said it loud, and another guy that I know was like right across the aisle from me, and then like. 25 seconds later, they go into that song and he came over and he must've been on something heavy and he just <laughs> stared at me and he's like, did you read the set list? How did you know that? That's an honor. That's a badge of honor. You know, um, the, the dead for me, and uh, maybe you had this experience too, uh, Matt, the, nothing musically in my life has ever subverted my expectations so much from from looking at an album cover of the dead with the skeletons and everything i just expected heavy metal and then the first time i heard it i was like this is so wonderful like it's so different than what i thought it was going to be it was the best musical surprise probably i've ever had because my sister who's older had a couple of dead albums and I would flip through her records and I'd look at them. I'd be like, I'm scared of this. I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> and then, cute. you know, I turn on working man's dead. I'm like, Oh my God. Like this is fan. This is almost like a, a rocked out like country out. I loved yeah. it so well, it's much. Country and blues and bluegrass and rock. And it's awesome. So I, a lot of during Corona, one of the things that kept me sane, cause everybody had their own weird thing to do. I, I started getting obsessed with like, what is the best version of each song? that they play live. And so I went into all of these like, you know, super chat forum things and just start and just, they would upvote each other, all these deadheads. And Mm. and so basically I would then research it. The other caveat was it needed to be on Spotify and needed to be a decent recording. But over the course of like a good year, year and a half, I made this massive playlist where I came up with like the top two versions, allegedly 
of like their top 100-ish songs. And wow. it's this massive thing. I'll send it to you. We got to share it with our listeners. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll that's send so it to you. Cool. It's it's pretty – It's listen, there people will argue, and not everything is on Spotify. So keep in right. mind, it, it's, it was too hard for me to do it off of like re-listen or one of the archive yeah. websites. But yeah. it's so pretty much. cool. And some of the stuff there, like the best morning do of all time, in my mind, it's on there. So that's pretty great. It's in there. It's yeah. Madison Square Garden, 91887. I I, I, they, they seem to have nailed, everybody kind of knows, I feel like, I think the best version of St. Stephen is the one that everyone plays, that live version where the, the crowd's going nuts. Yeah. And uh, that, they kind of nailed that one. But I'd be interested to hear your picks for the other 99. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll text um, it to you guys. So now let's get back to the business. So you have this internship with MTV. Uh, the Chris Connolly uh, show, the big picture. Uh, then what steps do you take from there? How do we get from there to becoming uh, an agent? Okay. A fraternity brother of mine had an internship. I'm going to do it quick, otherwise it'll be very boring. Or you can cut it. Um, <laughs> Give it to us. Fraternity yeah. brother of mine had an internship at the Disney lot in Burbank, working for a music, uh, I'm sorry, a movie producer and director named Randall Kleiser. Randall Kleiser directed, I believe, the first Grease. I should know this since I work for him. He directed the first Grease. He directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and maybe the sequel, but, you know. Anyway, I was the intern for his director of development. So you guys know, you've taken movie meetings. So, like, the putts that worked for him in his – he was never there. He's always directing movies or living in, like, you know, Malibu or something, you know, being rich (laughs) – Right. So I worked for this guy and like, you know, he just would have me get yogurt covered in granola every day or I'd have to go to his house and pick something up and I'd accidentally find a rock of cocaine on his floor because he was, <laughs> I found out, a drug addict. And so right. um, I had that internship. And during that internship, um, I was in a class at UCLA in the fall of my senior year and the greatest class, the history of rock and roll at UCLA. Yeah. It's, it's all, That's cool. you know, seniors, stoners. Or athletes. It's the easiest and greatest class. And what, like one day, class is literally watching Spinal Tap. That was a, an actual oh, day in class. Awesome. Um, which is wonderful. And I, I come out of the class, a girl comes up to me and comes up and goes, Hi. And I was like, And it's a Friday morning. That's key because Thursday night is the big party night at UCLA. And I assume at every college, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't know I had Japanese at 9 a.m. every Friday for four years. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you go to Skidmore or something like that? No, Columbia. No, Columbia. Skidmore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that Matt Maloney ruined your NCAA dreams. <laughs> oh, he did. He did. Um, but anyway, um, she comes up. Hi. I'm like, hello. She goes, oh, you don't remember me. And immediately I sink with dread, right? Because <laughs> God, what did before. I do? Because yeah. – Binge drinking and all those yeah. other things were prevalent. And I uh, I said, no, I don't. I'm really sorry. And she said, well, don't worry. It wasn't anything. You and I didn't do anything. You were great. And she goes, you, however, you did lick my friend's face like a dog last night at the party. <laughs> oh and I was like, my first question was, did she like it? And she said, yes. Yeah, and so she gave me her number, um, which that back then, of course, was a hard line and a, a answering machine. And I never ended up even re-meeting this girl. guess she didn't like it. But anyway, um, <laughs> she gives, gave me a ride, which was also a sign of maybe this girl had some money. She, oh, um, she gave me a ride in her BMW back to where I lived and we were just talking. I'm like, yeah, I'm interning at Disney, and it sucks, and I fucking hate this guy. He's an asshole, drug addict. And she's like, you should work for my dad. 
He's an agent. He owns an agency. And I was like, okay, you know? (laughs) And um, I had one friend in my fraternity who was like from minute one determined to be an agent. And he's a a hilarious guy. We were super good friends in college and we're roommates first year out of college. This guy named Todd Feldman, who now is like, he's a massive, I mean, like way more successful than me. Like the, I think he's maybe the biggest movie agent at CAA. He wow. represents like Todd Phillips and he, 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 his list is like everybody. He had the Game right. of Thrones guys, like all of it. And, um, and anyway, Feldman was interning at the time, I think at like Intertalent. And that's back when like Ari Emanuel was there and uh, a bunch of those guys that ended up being at Endeavor eventually. I think Patrick Weitzel. And so he was interning there and then he had already lined himself up with a job. He's going to ICM. He's going to work in the mailroom. He's going to work for these guys. He had his, he was planned to be an agent. Yeah, his path. I didn't know I wanted to be an agent and I still didn't really know that I did. Anyway, long story short, I get an internship for this um, girl's at this girl's father's firm interview with his assistant. Um, his name is Irv Schechter and he's a great guy. He had yeah. like a 15 person agency, did talent and lit. He was the head of the company. Um, and I interviewed with his then assistant, who was a super cool um, young lady at the time. I hate to say young lady. It makes me sound 100. But she was <laughs> yeah. older than me, so right. she was a lady, right. but young. We'll she was probably 25. We'll okay. um, you were young. And so what happened there was I got an internship. And on the days that I was there, they would have me work for this woman who was a movie agent. And she was British. British, I think she was. She could have been faking it, like, you know, but she <laughs> right. had a British accent. And I worked for her and I would answer her phones. And after about three or four times of working there, I thought to myself, this woman's a fucking idiot. I oh, no. would do better at this than her. Like, why would anyone want her to represent them? She's not even cool or nice or anything. She's kind of pompous and not fun. And so, that was the first inkling where I'm like, maybe I could do this. You know, I didn't realize I was at a small, you know, like I didn't know Anything. UTA, ICM. I didn't know these bigger agencies. Can, can I just interject for a second? Because people always say sure. like, hey, should, do you think I should move to L.A.? And it's like, this is why you need to move to L.A. Because the person you meet casually who you don't even remember being drunk next to yes. from the night before gives you a ride and their dad is powerful. And then you have an internship and you're on your way. Right, right. right. Well, like, right. I mean, Goldie, I'd like to yeah. say that the door was open, but I stormed through. No, it, okay, right. of course, yeah. of, course. of course. But like, yes. that's not going to happen to you in like Iowa or wherever you are. Like, right. you're not going to run into anyone to, to help you. Sure, but for as many Born stories teachers. as this one works, I'm sure there's a 10 billion where they end up. You know, uh, God knows what. So yeah. um, right. she right. could have killed you. She yeah. could have <laughs> driven off the PCH <laughs> off a cliff. She could have been a maniac. That's true. So I. I'm doing this internship. I realize maybe I'll be good at it. I'm about to graduate in the spring of 93. And I had a job where it was deliver. I was delivering food. Alec, you'll like this story. I'll make it quick. And again, cut anything that sucks. But I was delivering so food for an old service called Gourmet Courier for those that have lived in LA forever. And I had a pager and I had a Thomas guide. And that's what I had. That's what you <laughs> did. Okay. Yeah. And Basically, Feldman, by the way, Feldman's so instrumental in my, in, my, in my entry. Feldman was the number one delivery guy for Gourmet Courier. Got me <laughs> yeah. in as the, as, the, as the putts. 
And then when Feldman immediately got his job upon graduation, that whole summer, I was number one at Gourmet Ooh, Courier. Wow. wow. And by the nice. way, you could make, this is, again, this is 93. I was making, on some days, I could make two, 300 bucks cash in tips. What? Okay. Wow. wow. It was great. Yeah. And if yeah, it yeah. went, if they did it on credit card, then Mark, the guy, like, it was like, Matt, it's Mark from Gourmet. It was like, it sounded like, he was like Damone, you know? Yeah. And, um, and anyway, I was making a bunch of money and he started doing it at lunch. And it, one of the greatest things about the Gourmet Courier job was I was delivering lunch Minimum we three should, times. We're making a lot of money. We should try serving lunch. <laughs> well, there's rich, like a natural, but okay. Yeah, there's there's rich people that I guess want lunch delivered. Anyway, one of the de- regular deliveries was Rick Rubin, and oh, at the time nice. he lived in a house right behind the the chateau. Okay. Huge music producer, Rick Rubin. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. like I- iconic, right? Everything. Yeah. 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 And didn't murder anybody. Like a really special. One of the good ones. One of the good ones. And. uh Amazing episode of Dave, if you haven't seen that one with him in it. Great episode of Dave. So, oh, yeah. I saw him interview McCartney. That was awesome. Yeah. So so he would he was vegan at the time. And so a lot of it was he would be ordering um, that old restaurant in Beverly Hills called The Mandarin, which was a rocking place, made a ton of money, like very good Chinese food. And so I would be delivering him food two, three times a week. And it was always kind of weird. I'd get hustled into the kitchen, but you'd see the living room as you walk in. Long story short... I walk in one day and he's on the couch with Johnny Cash with a single microphone in front of Johnny Cash. Johnny wow. Cash has an acoustic guitar and they're just kind of talking and strumming and oh you know my like God. he sometimes Rick Rubin like lays on the ground and listens. That's how he hears things. His eyes are closed and stuff. And so that I go album. into the kitchen. I, I started becoming familiar with his girlfriend and whatever staff was there. And one day I go in and they you know I knock on the door and they they were playing clearly. I could hear them outside and. I go into the kitchen and they were recording something with a microphone. And I just said to his girlfriend, I said, can I please just hang out here quiet with you and listen? Because I love Johnny Cash. Yeah. And she let me. And that's oh. the end of the story. There's no great Wait. punchline to it. Hold I didn't on. get to do a yeah, duet or anything. I got goosebumps but... just thinking about it. That's yes. incredible. <laughs> that's awesome. And I that think, album's amazing. Yeah, I think that's when he was recording the very first, I think it's American Recordings is the one, or maybe it's. Unchain- I don't know. Whatever the first one was, I think that's the timing on it. Wow. That's crazy. Cool. That's so wow. okay. So that was now- worth I it. That. I love yes. that story. Yeah. So now Johnny you're- Cash ate your salad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> My how, many, how many people can say that? Um, now let's let's just step back for a minute and, and and a global question here for for our listeners and people who often have this question, and it may be kind of uh, an offensive question, but I don't mean it that way at all. I think there's a perception among some people, possibly younger writers who don't know a lot, um, or people outside of Hollywood, where they're just like, what the hell does an agent do? Like, what, you know, what is it exactly? I don't, I don't get it. So if you could just sum up for people in sort of a, a brief way, what you feel your role is, a good agent's role is in the in the overall creative process. I think that would be very helpful for our listeners. Okay. Well, well, first of all, there's there's different phases, I think, in an agent's life, right? If you're a 25-year-old agent, or for maybe not, maybe 28, who yeah. wants a 25-year-old agent, right? Nobody. Right. <laughs> right. I was an agent at 23. No, but but I do still represent my first two clients, and I oh. am happy to share those oh, with you if you want. That's awesome. Um, yeah, who? Who? Well, one of my very first clients, I believe you've worked with, um, 
Brad Walsh and Paul Corrigan. Oh, nice. Yes, wow. Very recently. Okay, yeah, yeah they're good guys. Cool. Signed them yeah. as an assistant, faked it out, faked them out. You, you can all tell you the story. They, I read a Larry Sanders spec, excellent. I was still Irv's assistant, hadn't been promoted yet. And they were friends with, I shared a cubicle with another man. It was so small there. And this guy, by the way, if you want to look him up, very good friend. His name's Aaron Kruger. He spells his first name E-H-R-E-N. Aaron Kruger is one of the biggest screenwriters today and of all time. He wrote the Top Gun movie. He He's wow. written wow. like probably 20 produced movies easily. And he and I were, we made $250 a week pre-tax and we shared a cubicle all day long. It was a sad existence. Wow. And we watched wow. Letterman reruns in the conference room every day at lunch because we couldn't afford to go out and eat. But, um, <laughs> More Letterman. But, uh, that, you know, so anyway... Uh, number one was uh, Walsh and Corgan. Number two was Will Forte. We went to UCLA oh, together. Wow. Awesome. Wow. And, awesome. And his, and his girlfriend was a very dear friend of mine, called me up and said, Will's in the writer's program of the Groundlings. He's written a bunch of stuff. It's not funny, but he needs an agent and you should read it. And oh. she was wrong. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. Absolutely. All right. So well, you, you get these, yeah. you, you have, still have your first two clients, but. Okay, again, right. So what do I yeah. do at 24? Okay, sorry. Yeah. Meandering. Um, That's great. At 25, This is what agents do. They right. distract you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what happens is when you're a young agent, especially when you're at a smaller agency, you have to find clients. You have to read stuff. You have to have taste for it. You have to figure out. You have to, hopefully you're not a a moron or you have some amount of taste and you can only believe taste is really, someone asked me recently, how do you define taste? You just have to know what you like and you have to have conviction behind it, right? Like to sign somebody is a bit of a pact. I think it's almost like a marriage. Like you're putting someone else's livelihood in your hands. It's a, it's a big commitment. And so, yeah. you know, uh, at that age, you're trying to find clients at my age now, cause I have administrative duties here. I run the entire TV department at UTA you know, there's a lot of stuff that I do that has nothing to do with being a good agent for you, right? Right. Um, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but, but so, you know, through time, you have to, number one, you have to acquire clients that you believe in because that ends up becoming your reputation. The second part of it is with the actual clients that you represent, you have to, sometimes you have to hone their material. Some clients never want to hear a note from you. Like like a young Alex Sulkin, sure. some clients some clients like like and I'm not and he would say the same thing. I I walked through Will Forte's first spec script like we every fucking page of it. He's he'll tell you you know he has some um, OCD stuff and so everything had to be perfect and we went through it and over and over and over. But eventually that script which I still have and I'd be happy to share with you guys if you wanted to read it. It's called it was called Dos Hermanos. It made him. Remember, he was a writer before he ended up being a performer. He was on right. like an overall deal with 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 Tom Werner on '70s show and Thirty oh. Rock and not Thirty Rock, th Third Rock, right? And oh. um, and that script ended up becoming the movie that he made with Will Arnett, The Brother Solomon. That oh, wow. that script yes. is the genesis of that movie, wow. and it was such a TV a, sitcom. Such a funny movie that nobody saw, but that's hilarious. Right. It, it it was great. Oden, Bob Odenkirk directed it. Is very wow. very funny. Yeah. So, so sometimes you're working on material. You also have to go find people jobs. And how you find people jobs is that you have to have relationships with executives. You have to have relationships with showrunners. Yes. You know, like Goldie when, when, you know, like I was calling Goldie all the time when we were staffing Making History. You know, I represent uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller who were heavily involved in that show with Goldie. I also, I don't know if you know this Goldie, but 
the co-star of that show, Yasser Lester, you know, like all the, that, that, that show was everything to me and it mm. deserved better because it was well, great. Thank you. Yeah, you're yeah. you're very very Thank funny you. and talented, and and I love oh, that. Shit. This is this is oh, what an agent does. I, this see, is what I, an I agent didn't does. even I didn't even feel being massaged. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> so I just knew I was relaxed all of a sudden. <laughs> Well, well, well done, I mean, well I'm done. interested in in, a, in something you just brought up here. So you touched on the fact that as an agent, you're dealing with your clients, the the, the talent, shall we say, in quotes, the writers. And these yeah. tend but, to be like mercurial, as you see yes. with, every week on our podcast, mercurial, emotional people who do need well, psychological support and often are not in therapy. Yeah. Yeah. But also... Mm-hmm. I have always, my pride is too strong to get abused. So I've had abusive clients in the past. Um, and one way or another, they have weaned their way off of my client list. They've either fired me because right. they can sense that I'm not all in with my heart, or we've parted ways for one reason or another because it's, oh, life's too short. I have something fun. Okay, oh. let's do a one-minute exercise. <laughs> I'm going to pretend to be an abusive client and you get rid of me. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't do it that way. Okay, I'll, okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay, but let's, let's have a difficult call. Okay. I don't, I don't want your fucking notes, man. <laughs> I have a creative vision and you don't fucking see it. Uh, Goldie, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I, I really have read this material multiple times. I'm... If you make more money, I'm making more money. You understand that when I give you these notes, it's as just an educated reader, not a biased audience. I'm on your side, but I also tend to know what people are going to want. So if you don't have to and do And they anything, don't want this? No, they don't. And, and this isn't working. And so I think that, you know, look, it, it's not in my best interest. I don't want to. Do you think I want to spend extra time giving you notes and reading your script three times? I don't. I want the script to be great so that you make a bunch of fucking money. But I'll do what you want. You're the client. I'm only here for suggestions, man. Oh, so good. Oh, that was so what about, good. What, go down the Can path. Can we go to the Maple Grill and just talk? <laughs> <laughs> the pop, what were you the going to say, JC? Did you have a question? Uh, go down the path of why aren't you getting me work? Go, Goldie. <laughs> I mean, like, you didn't get me on... Abbott. So help me, Todd. And, and my name's Todd, so I'm perfect for it. So what's up, man? Talk to the showrunner. Talk to the executive. Talk to the talk to the girlfriend of the showrunner. They just didn't love the script. We just didn't have the right script, and you can't get you in there without the right. They don't, if they don't read something they love, we're not going to get a meeting, even He's if you so have that great this. reputation. He's so good at this. I'm already yeah. assuaged. That was it's, excellent. It's, he keeps his level. Yes, down. I know it can't. Like, it doesn't my, allow my level you. Goes up. And is this something that you're trained to do? Because that's I know the agencies, natural. particularly when you started, there was this pressure cooker feel, and and there are these legends of like, and that person threw a phone, and that person threw something out a window. Now, have you witnessed these things or been on the end of it and and learned to sort of take a breath, think about? Morning Dew, uh, Sugar Magnolia, mm, yeah. and go into a different world? Like, how did yeah. you learn this, or what have you witnessed or experienced that has helped you with yeah, this? Yeah, have you ever lost it? Um, I would say that maybe once, maximum twice a year, I will raise my voice in some way. But I don't yell at my assistant. Um, I don't... Noel. I, look, 
I've gotten better with age. Everybody's a little more high strung and everything seems to matter a lot more when you're younger. Um, but I've made a big point, especially at UTA, like you, and by the way, I did it before all this stuff happened with Corona and Gen Y or whatever Gen Z and a lot of sensitivity. And you have, you know, like, like there's no pressure cooker anymore. Now you assistants and young agents, you have to really care about how they feel. Okay. Because they care a lot about their feelings. And I'm sure that's in writer's rooms and every version of every profession. It's all in every version of it. So I'm not a yeller. Um, I'm, I'm more of a, like, I'm disappointed in you parent, you know, and and that's sometimes way scarier. Um, I know what a bad, I know what a hard job it is to be an assistant. And whenever I interview people, um, ever to be my assistant or even to be an intern here, I, I interview a lot of, I'm just like that guy that ends up, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to meet that random person that you know. Um, nice. <laughs> yep. and I just think you got to do it. If you're sitting in the chair of any kind of, you know, you have any way to help people, you got to try because like, I didn't know anybody. I knew, I just, I just, you know, these internships led to this and to that. But, you know, so many people that come into this mailroom, their father was the president of show business. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I didn't have that. And I didn't grow up at UTA. You had and I Beaker. think that a lot of that's formative. Yeah. It makes you tougher <laughs> and and gri- and kind of a little more like a, you know, like a junkyard dog as opposed to a purebred. You know? Is there a, yeah. a memorable incident that you can talk about that you witnessed or saw or experienced in terms of like the old way? I wish I, like, I'm sure if I was ready for that question, I could bring you a bunch of stories, yeah, but that's a I, shot. I, I, I do actually, put you on the spot. no, no, no. I, I actually, I have a couple that I remember. I remember, um, first of all, um, one of my partners here and he has just, again, caveat, he has, he doesn't do this at all anymore. He f- calmed it all down, but at one point was a thrower and a yeller, not a phone, but a thrower, you know, a pen or whatever. And like, just like, why aren't they on the phone to get them right? You know, like, like, like yeah. the yeah. urgency <laughs> of this, like panic, this anxiety. So I witnessed a lot of that. Um, and then over time, I just kept saying, once I became the head of the television lit department, that was my first leadership job. I just said, you can't do that. Mm. Like, number one, you can't do that because I won't accept it. Right. Number two, you can't do that because you could get fucking ruined. Yeah. Like, are you a moron? You have so much to lose. Why do that? You know, it's also that the time I witnessed a, a person who's very famous for having tantrums, having one of their tantrums in public, and they looked like a giant, powerless baby. There was yeah. nothing intimidating about it. They looked like a fool. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's something to remember too. The whole yeah, you think you're coming yeah. off as like this power broker, some and, alpha, and yeah, it's like no, just awful. Yeah. Right now, so let's get down to brass tacks here. Like, what do you look for in a spec script when you're, you know, on the rare occasions these days when you read a spec script? <laughs> like, what are, if someone, you know, I know you're kind of beyond the stage of like picking up new young clients, but when you get a script that you are uh, compelled to read, what, what are you looking for? Like, what makes you excited? An addendum. Are you even looking for scripts or are you, is there a better no, way for people to express themselves? Uh, great question. It could be anything. But back then when I was reading spec scripts often, or even if somebody came my way where they're like, this person's amazing. They're a producer level writer on, you know, super cool show. That's just a job. You still have to read something that you know you could work off of and get them a job off of. Like I said, if you just sign someone because they have a job and like, hey, maybe they'll end up being good, that's not healthy. And that will end up probably being a um, 
not the best relationship and might go sour. I want to like somebody. I want to understand what their mission is for their career. And I want to, or I want them to want to partner with me in terms of what I think they're capable of. And so if it was a drama script, what I'm looking for is I want to read something. And I know like if I wake up the next day or I dreamt about it a little bit or something thematically or, or dialogue wise sticks with me, that, that will get me. Right. And if it's a comedy script, Facts are, I think people can learn structure. I don't know. First of all, story wizards are story wizards. Like if you know story, you know, you guys have been in rooms. There's people that can just fix something. Yes, yes. And then there's other people that have a harder time with that. There's people that are just great with jokes or whatever. So I'm always looking in comedy. It is a bias. I'm looking for things that make me laugh. If it doesn't make yeah, me laugh, sense. what's the point? It's just not my sensibility. Um, and I'm also looking to see like, all right, are they – is there a cool twist on the story? Is there is there something original to the way they're kind of mapping out the story? You know, back then we would read spec scripts. You know, you, have to, you probably wrote a Seinfeld spec or a Sanders spec yeah. or a Curb spec. And so you would do it off that. Now nobody writes spec scripts anymore. Now everybody's just writing like a spec pilot. They're writing something mm-hmm. original is what everybody always wants to read. And Goldie, to your addendum, you know, you can find people all over the place. Like uh, Yasser to that note, the first time I noticed Yasser was he was on the road with Chelsea Peretti touring as a comic. And I was just watching, I knew Chelsea forever. And I was just watching Chelsea's Instagram and how funny they were interacting with each other and how funny he was with her. Cause you know, she's, she, she can dish it, you know? And yeah. so he, he was just hilarious. And, yeah, he is. and I, I was interested and I was just kind of watching him. And then he was, uh, became a writer on a show that I had a client on a higher level writer who was like, hey, we hired this guy and he's amazing. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm a huge fan of that guy. He's like, I want to introduce you to him. And that led to us working together. That's awesome. And and now we've talked about this on the podcast before, so I'm sure you heard it. Um, (laughs) We basically... 20%. um, So we, we, Goldie and I are under the uh, impression, and I believe we're right, that you can usually tell within the first five pages, if not less how you're going to feel about something. Do you, I mean, obviously as you know, you owe it to your job to, to finish reading a script, but do do you find that to be the case as well? Like you can tell pretty early on whether this is great, this stinks, or I don't get it, or I love this person. Yeah. I think, I don't know that you, I would quit after five pages. I might take more like 10 to 15, but, Mm -hmm. but Look, if if the clams are 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 easily shucked in the first few pages, you're, you're it's it's over. Like I I really if I'm reading a comedy script, and the and they just stink at telling jokes, that yeah. could be very fast. However, you know I usually uh, back then I would no matter what give it probably 15 pages I would say because that's nothing. You know. Yeah, yeah. and 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 to that point, or is there a client that you you missed on that you you felt like oh you passed on somebody and then regretted it? Uh, well, there's definitely people I passed on who ended up being successful, right? Um, for but sure, you, and, but maybe and, not your style. Yeah, not yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I read something and I was just like, like I said. You have to have integrity. I know that's a ridiculous, you're like, oh, agent talking about integrity, but you at least have to have integrity to yourself, right? Yes. You at least so, have to have a code of how you operate and what you're willing to do or not do. What, yeah. what is this thing about, oh, agent not having integrity? That's something for someone like me who knows nothing about this. Is this like a, 
a normal happening in the industry that agents don't have integrity? I think I there's think, a perception yeah. that like the agents are, you know, cutthroat and they'll, oh, they'll well, sh- shady and, uh, you know, kind of backdoor deals and stuff like that. But I mean, frankly, it's like you're just trying to get shit done for your clients. That's also everyone. Like yeah. producers, even writers, I've seen screw over other people in a way yeah. that, that lacked integrity. And I think it's it's we're in a business that's this combination of fake or real social front of grace and then behind the scenes of like fucking people. Yeah. Over, I, I, you know? Guys, it's just, JC, it's just people, okay? Yeah. Yeah. okay? There are comedy writers who are lovely and who are shitheads. There are, you know... Uh, uh, vice people. president of regional sales <laughs> yeah. at Bank of America who are shitheads and who are yeah. nice people. And yeah. every single profession is going to have some kind of a median of how many people are lovely and how many people are absolute pieces of shit and then how many people <laughs> might have questionable morals. I mean, right. you're going to okay. get a, a variety. Right. And oh. that, that quotient is just way higher in agents. Okay. <laughs> so um, uh, now what, t- tell us about like, what's the, like, the best feeling when you're an agent, like what's the, what's like a great thing that happens to agents other than like, Oh, we signed this client we want. Is there, is there something that happens in the agent world where you're like, ah, yes, I'm so fucking glad this happened today. Well, you, uh, the first part of that, where you said the best feeling, I'll tell you something is back, you know, broadcast TV used to be the majority of this business, right? You know, Family Guy, Dads, I mean, majorly Uh formative. All right, lay off, pal. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you would, the thing that would always affect me the most, um, that always still does, by the way, is like you go to the upfronts in New York when they're announcing the next year's schedule. They do it in May for the September and onward of of the Or they fly in and then they don't put your show on, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, But the thing that would get me is like if you have a new show coming on the air and it's your clients creating it or you have the actor who's starring in it and you're inside this giant, you know, Radio City Music Hall with a bunch of uh which a bunch a bunch of, you know, mouth-breathing advertiser people, you know, <laughs> and um and you're in there and they're playing these beautiful montages that their ads group puts together with like cold play playing in the background, you know, like for all the dramas where it's like, you know, you know, and, and, and you're like, literally it's bringing me to tears. You know, it's like, it's like La Brea this fall. And I'm like crying. I'm like, this looks amazing. And, um, but when you have that show, it, it, it will bring me to it will bring tears to my eyes sometimes. Like it oh, just will. Great. Or like I remember when NBC rescued Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a show that I, I put together. Like two of my clients co-created it. Lord mm. and Miller directed the pilot. Right. Um Andy Samberg from our agency, Star. Like it's just yeah. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Terry Crews, like everybody's I'll, in that I'll, show. I'll remind our listeners that packaging is now illegal. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but but to to okay, good good conversation. I actually packaged that show. Yes, that I actually know. was it was an actual package of the show. I know. I know it was. So so the point is um not about packaging. The point is NBC <laughs> rescued it when Fox no longer wanted to make it and it was just a full waterworks. I was crying. That's I awesome. loved it so much. And shortly thereafter, you know, we all got fired by the writers, but I cared at that moment very very much. <laughs> not that you care. Um, now so just take the flip side of that coin. Like what's what's a really bad day for an agent? Like what what do you what's the last thing you want to happen? Just stuff goes wrong, right? Sometimes you have clients that they do some clients do terrible things. Some clients get caught. We have 
look, we're living in a really interesting age. We have people getting canceled. We have people mm-hmm. um, for right and for wrong, right? We have um, – there's a lot of stuff that can ruin your day. You can have a client get fired off of a show. That's horrible. It's a right. horrible feeling, especially when they have no idea it's coming. That oh. becomes your whole day. Yeah. And you create a schedule. You know, you have a busy schedule, and then something goes sideways, and you're – you know, half your week is gone at that point. So it happens a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that sucks too. Um, (laughs) I'm wondering, have we passed the golden age for writers? I know there are more jobs now than there have ever been with just the, you know, the number of streaming outlets and all that kind of stuff. But does it, does it feel like, I guess the, the easier question is like, what's the difference between the business that you came into and the business today? Back then, I think it was a pretty simple path, which was, it was conservative. Get on a good show, that becomes your identity, work your way up and become like a co-EP or a supervising producer. And then once you've learned some, hopefully about how to produce a show, create a show, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully you create a show, hopefully it gets on the air. And then you'll have an idea about how to run it and how to you know protect your show and protect your vision. And as you're on your path to creating that show, you might get an overall deal. You might make more money if you're, you know, you guys have seen this, anybody and look, family guys unique, but there's so many different shows where it's like, you know, there's like one or two people that are like the star, you know, they're coming up. Even when they're a story editor, people are like, wow, she's got it. She's, she's the one. And so that was part of that golden age, right? Which was, there were so many broadcast shows. They were so important. Advertising was just through the roof. And so these studios would have tons and tons of overall deals, and you can make a ton of money at that. It's gotten smaller. So now if you can work two or even more jobs a year, which you sometimes have time for as a writer, you can still make a lot of money. You're just not sitting in a room doing a broadcast sitcom, going onto a stage of a multicam, and having a decent schedule. It's just hard. I think it's harder now to make a great living, but- the great, the great ones are still the great ones. You know, they're, they, they will make a lot of money. If you are valuable, you will make a lot of money. Right. right. Okay. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Well, well, we could so honestly at some point have you back and do a whole episode about where you think the business is going. Like I, yeah. I, I could linger on that a long time. Unfortunately, we're we could just go out to dinner, to Goldie. I'd be happy just to hang <laughs> out. Oh, oh yeah. you, you palm that maitre d'. <laughs> the maitre d' better be ready <laughs> for right. a yeah. double tip. Sounds like fun. Whatever That's he right. gave you. No, well, you take, you take the night off. I'll handle it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate it. well, Matt Rice, you were you were scared of this today, and I hope that now you are feeling uh, much better about it because you were awesome. Yes, we yes. love hearing like any perspective on the business that is is different from our own is always you know so interesting to us, and you certainly provided that today. So I I thank you for sharing your story. And I thank you for joining us for this next part of our show that we like to call Top 5. Top 5. Matt, I don't know if you know that we sang that. We we sang that Top 5. It sounds a lot like um, that other little ditty that I'm sure the three of you sang. I was going to ask, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's us. That's us. We blend well. Uh, JC blends us well together. So um, this was uh, JC's category, but uh, JC, tell us what we're going to top five about today, and then we'll maybe let Matt go first or yeah, whenever he yeah. wants. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, top five logos. Ooh, love logos. It. I love logos. <laughs> uh, Matt, why don't you lead us off with your top five? I'm happy to do it. I uh, 
Okay. Well, first of all, can I give a caveat, which is sure. nothing that's an actual word did I put in here, okay? Oh. Oh. You can't, I thought that <laughs> logos that were a full word that actually describe what it is, I thought the greatness of a logo is being able to identify it by a symbol. Oh, okay? yeah. that's cool. I like that. So that's the theme on mine. Okay, cool. So number five, the Rolling Stones tongue. Oh, yes, that's great a good call. one. That was what almost a strong on mine. one to lead with. Yes, yes. Number four, Grateful Dead, steal I your knew face. It was be on ah, there. I knew it. <laughs> there you go. And I didn't make it number one. I know. I'm surprised. surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah. No, no. It's not. It's just not good enough. Yeah. But it's amazing. But you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, number three, the Golden Arches M of McDonald's. Yes. It's a great one. Yes. Great one. The siren song of fat Americans. <laughs> <laughs> number two is Apple. The yes. apple with the bite out of it, right? Yeah, sure. Yes. Great. And number one is easy, and it's Nike. Yeah. Yes, yep. excellent. Yes. We're going to have excellent. we're gonna have some overlap. That's a great list. Yes. JC, why don't you so go ahead? We have no overlap, but some of those were on, when I whittled it down, those were on there. But my number five is the Mercedes-Benz logo. Yeah, mm. classy. Yeah, classy. remember the old school when they used to put them on the hood? And you could just, yeah, yeah those sure. were great. Put them, put them right on those concentration camps. Rip it off. <laughs> and you, oh, wow. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Um, number four, I originally had the Strokes logo, but that was stolen from the Magna Cigarettes logo, which I learned in mm. research. So I put them both in hand. I love that logo. Okay. Um, number three is the Public Enemy the 1987 one, the one that Eric Hayes did from It Takes a Nation of Millions with uh, the target on... Um, oh, yeah. On oh, yeah. The, yep. Yes, on... Uh, Memorable. Memorable. Checkmate. Number two, the Playboy logo. Good oh, one. Oh, wow. that's a yeah. good one. And then my number one, the Batman logo. Oh. God, I wish I had thought of that. That's great. <laughs> Those last two oh, are uh, they're probably... As good as it gets, Jason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Batman. Wow, that's a great one. I didn't think of that. Okay, here's my list. Number five, TriStar Pictures. Mm. Boy, did I love that TriStar <laughs> Pictures opening. Oh, my God. I was always in for a good time there. Nice. Um, number four, Pan Am. Ooh. The Pan Am logo is, is just simple, classic, although it does say the name. I, I broke your uh, unwritten rule, Matt, <laughs> on a couple of these. Number three, the London Underground. Oh, that's great. I yes. think it has a, just a beautiful logo, and I love the underground itself. Number two, Lucasfilm. Oh, oh. get me more excited. You can't. Shimmering. <laughs> just shimmering. Love it. Um, the movies afterwards lately haven't been as great. But number one, Matt and I are in lockstep here. The Nike swoosh. Yes. Wow. I meant yes, yes, yes. All right, Goldie, Very go nice. ahead. Okay, number five, can't believe no one had something in this genre. The Toronto okay. Blue Jays. Ooh, oh, sports really logos. Good. Yes. Yeah. But the yeah. Blue Jays have a very cool they logo. They do, you're right. Yeah, memorable. Yep. Uh, number four, BMW. Nice. Yes, that was, uh, that's yes. your car. Yeah. I love it. Uh, number three, the U.S. Postal Service Eagle. Ooh, Ooh, wow, very patriotic. Love it. Like, think, now, about, think about Lance Armstrong riding that bike over the Pyrenees. <laughs> <laughs> Just how cool that was. No, no, I hate to interject this, but is that a bald eagle? Oh, oh you oh, Sorry. Why? Sorry. Why? I'm just asking. I hope you're back fucking tight. <laughs> <laughs> you pugilist. Uh, number two, Levi's. 
Ooh, that's yeah. a great one. Iconic ass yes. logo. Yeah. <laughs> and fuck Strauss, by the way. Oh, yeah. He did nothing. <laughs> and number one, actually, Matt got it, so they were no longer a team that Strauss was able to get his own salary. And they, they <laughs> it was in the third year of their dealer. Uh, n- number one logo of all time goes against the rice rule. NASA. Oh, I love that yeah. logo. That's a yep. great one. It inspires wonder. Yes. That's a great... And I have the next topic. Yes, yes go for it. Yes, he does. The top five things that blew your mind when you learned, saw, or experienced. Oh, I said one of them today. I'm going to say it again next well, week, but that's okay. awesome. What is yeah. it? Top love that. Five. And I promise I won't, I won't send you four texts during the week asking you what oh, that is. Got to be your first dead show. Alex, it's got to be your first dead show. Well, hey, don't say give it, it again, away. Say it again, Goldie. Sorry. The top five what? Things that blew your mind oh. when you learned, saw, or experienced. Amazing. Love it. Thank you. Oh, that's so many are leaping to mind. Okay, that was fun. What a great show today. Uh, JC, do we have anyone next week? No, but... Yes? Whoops. I will say, maybe, well, should I do it after the music? Or should I do the Tom thing now? Oh, yeah, let's hear from Tom Gamble, our buddy. Let's hear Tom Gamble has sent us a message. Yes, so it's a very brief message. He wanted the three of us to know that Morty died. No! (laughs) Hey, go! Morty is the agent character that Tom plays. Yes. (laughs) And uh, Tom is going through his papers. There's a lot to process, but he'll be on the show soon with a full report. Okay. Wait. Oh, so there's no audio message? Nope. Oh. (laughs) 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 Dudsville. All right. And so next week, I guess it's just the three of us. So, well, that's that's usually fun for us. We don't have to deal with the dead weight here. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm just kidding, Maddie. Uh, Maddie, if you need me, me, I can show back up. Yeah, we we might like that every week. Matt Rice. Um, And let's end this show the way we end every show on a high note. There it is, <laughs> Tom and Max with their slightly too long high note. I'm going to jump in. I know we have a rule against it, but he's my agent. I'm saying my high note today is Mr. Yeah. Matt Rice. It's, we had to drag yeah. him on here kicking and screaming, yes. didn't want to do it, and then was just fucking great. Matt, you killed it. Thank yeah. you. You're my high note Crushed this week. It. Yeah. Crushed it like a first serve. Yeah, and from <laughs> even, oh, nice, good reference as a tennis player. Anyway, you were also, yeah, great from beginning to end, just scheduling, getting the audio test. Thank you. And thank you to Noel. Yo, Noel JC is clocks amazing, that so. stuff, believe me. I do. And I judge people based <laughs> yeah. on it. All right. High notes. What do you got, JC? What do you got? My high note, I went to the office yesterday. Woo. Yes, Thanks I, for saying hi. Uh, sorry, you were busy. I went okay. to your office. Your door was closed. I didn't want to interrupt. So, um, well, I don't know. I've never, uh, anyway, I saw Goldie. Got a little yeah. hug from Goldie. I had to Sorry. tell her, look, JC, I have a Zoom. I don't he have did. a lot of time. Yeah, but you were so, you're jet, you were very sweet. You got to say, you're very sweet about it. Um, but I did. I had lunch with uh, Patrick and Chris Long and Jim and Jordan Ramp came and met us, had a beer. I got to see nice. Damien. I met Dan Smith. Hi, Dan, uh, Rich's assistant. I saw Wit. I saw Shannon and Diana and Suka. And then Ooh. I also saw one of my favorites, Casey Bell, who listens to this podcast. Hi, Casey. Hi, Casey. And uh, that was, it was nice to see people in the office. I saw, you know, I, awesome, loverly. Goldie, what do you got? My highlight is just, I mean, thank you, Matt Rice, but my, my high, high note for the week is the rain and just 
a week of guilt-free showers afterwards. <laughs> these, these showers are revenue neutral. Just knowing these aren't drought showers. These are like, we're just, you That's know, using funny. what came down. Uh, I love your finding the positive. And, and Matt, I, I got one. Okay, go ahead, yes. Matt. What's yeah, your yeah. high note? My high note, well, first of all, I really uh, appreciate you pushing me and dealing with my anxiety over it because I'm. You're this so was good. very pleasant and you it was great. gone before I, I was like, oh my God. I can't believe how long we've been on here. Yeah, um, so fun. Uh, no, my high note is, um, and I, and well, whatever. I already kissed your ass. Uh, <laughs> guys, we're entering into the last weekend of the NCAA basketball season. And my Ooh. high note is our number four UCLA Bruins Ooh. are going to kick the living fuck out of Arizona <laughs> on Saturday at Poly Pavilion, where I have season tickets Ooh. and will not be at. We'll not be at the game because of a bar mitzvah. The Jews oh. get me again, okay? Oh, this fucking town. That's right. There's a bar mitzvah I- illegally placed at 7 p.m. Saturday, right? <laughs> and, and even more cruelly, it's about a mile and a half from UCLA. Oh, oh wow. You can hear the cheers. Yeah, but there is nothing better. I will tell you, um, Goldie, to your top five for next week, uh, if you have never gone to like the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, I would highly recommend it. It will blow your mind. You might see one of those games, you know, that goes down into the wire. And, you know, the West Regionals are like this year it's in Sacramento. The Sweet 16 this year is in Vegas. Like tickets are gettable. High recommend to any of your listeners, anybody on this podcast. It's fun. It just is fun. That's awesome. And now I I haven't watched uh, college basketball in a while, but I will say best of luck to Toby Bailey and the UCLA Bruins. (laughs) (laughs) Saw Toby Bailey two weeks ago. He was at the game just just showing up because he loves his school. Tobes. Um, All right. Matt Rice, thank you so much. Thank everyone out there for listening. Goldie, JC, thank you too for always being awesome. And we will talk to you again next week. I have a bar mitzvah next week. That was fun. And it stops right now. Oh, God, you're hitting so many bullseyes.